Hello and welcome to BTP Let's Talk Edition. We have Dan here with us. How are you, Dan? What up, buddy? Life is great, excited, full of energy, motivated, ready for action. Amazing. I love the enthusiasm. I love the energy. It's so good. So today's topic, we're going to talk, uh, be talking about how does traveling change us? I mean, we all have traveled, most of us at least, uh, and we have our own experiences, share our experiences of traveling. There are different aspects of how we can say it changes us. First of all, does it really change us? Well, let's be honest. I don't think that traveling per se will change you for the same reason that ultimately reading a book cannot change you or watching mm. a specific amazing movie. Cannot. Ultimately, it's about your attitude. That is, if your mind is focused on acquiring education and change, of course, you will change. However, let's be honest, traveling these days is first and foremost a form of entertainment. And it's a business, a very profit, you know, profitable business that is all around the world. And unfortunately, it is marketed in a very, very wrong way. I mean, I have so much trouble with the traveling standards these days. I can just literally start shouting at this microphone here, just express my anger. <laughs> but ultimately, can traveling change us? Yes. In most cases, the way it's done these days by these whole, I don't know, let's say travel agents and whatnot, does that change us? I don't think so. So traveling can change us, but it requires a specific mindset and a specific way of traveling that will change you. Otherwise, there's no difference between traveling or watching National Geographic, from my perspective. Very, very good. Very good. So ultimately, I guess um, we can say traveling is an experience and experiences uh, do change us or can change us. And um, the more, uh, you know, involved or the more interactive the experience, the the more change you can see. But at the end of the day, as you mentioned, I think it does come back to our mindset, whether we want to actually change, whether we are going after the right kind of experiences uh, and directed experiences to change us. Because you can... If you randomly go after experiences, then you, you you will be dragged here and there because it will change you randomly. You never know when you're going to end up. <laughs> um, exactly. But, but ultimately, you're very correct. Like any other experience, traveling can change you. Um, and it, it, it does. And I'm going to actually give you my first um, drastic transformative experience I had with traveling. And that was... Um, when I had a chance to go to China a long, long time time ago, I think I was in grade ten ish. I don't per, uh, particularly remember, but I was uh, still in high school, and uh, it was a very good experience. I got to to um, explore China, and I had a friend there, so I wasn't all lost. So he would basically direct me what to do, what not to do, and it was very good. I think it was about 10, 10 12 days. It was a very good crunch because we had just so little time for such a big country. I only went to Shanghai and Beijing, but it was an amazing experience. I uh, It definitely opened my, my eyes, and I'm going to talk about it in a, in a minute, but I want to get your uh, first impression of a great transformative uh, traveling ex experience. When, when was well, it? What was your experience? That's right. Well, first of all, for me personally, because as you know, I work internationally, so I work in different countries. And mm -hmm. uh, believe it or not, for me, traveling has always been about uh, making a living as well as learning and acquiring education. I cannot think of anything that is more educational right. than uh, basically the experience to get in traveling, mm -hmm. because ultimately it's uh, that by facing with the different culture and a different way of doing things, that's when you'll be able to, you're able to contrast it with your own culture and language. I see. And that's when you truly acquire experience. I've been traveling since a very young age, of course, to various countries and around the world. But ultimately, 
true transformation from my perspective came when I decided to not just travel, but to actually work and to create businesses in different countries. Because I think that is a whole, and it's a totally different level in that case. Because in mm -hmm. that case, you're no longer just observing that culture or language or, I don't know, society. You're actually taking part in it. Precisely. And that's where I think uh, everything changes. Because... I mentioned earlier I have a problem with the current uh, standards of the travel industries because nowadays, how do most people travel? First of all, they get into a huge group of people. Let's say a tour I've made of 10, 20, 30 people. I see. They all travel together during this entire time. They're spending more time with themselves and they're interacting more among each other than they are with I the see. foreign environment and the people. They almost, uh, it's, it's, it's like they're in a bubble made by their people. And they are now just looking outside as entertainment, like they're watching a movie together. It's like, hey, look at these guys. They, they, they dress this way. Hey, pretty funny, right? <laughs> so this, from my perspective, is uh, not uh, what I call transformative travel. Because in this condition, you are simply involved with what I call being observing together. This has no impact. You cannot understand how things are because you are judging things. You see, that's the problem. Mm -hmm. You will never change by traveling if you're judging the, the environment around you. And the problem is this. When you're traveling in a tour, which is why I never, ever travel in tours, ever. In my entire life, never done it. Will never do it. It's just stupid from my perspective. Mm -hmm. So when you travel in a tour, you are not traveling. You're just spending quality time with the people that you have traveled with. Because let's be honest, during this entire, the, the entire time, who is the people? who are the people you spend the most time with? The people in your goddamn tour, not yeah. the foreign environments. So for that reason, uh, uh, first of all, I'm a huge fan of never, ever traveling with tours, ever. And number two, when you're traveling, I'm a fan of, of immersing ourselves in that environment. That is trying to fit in, if you will. And that requires a lot of skills, which we'll just hopefully discuss in this podcast. What's, what are those skills that are required to do this? But ultimately, for me, that transformation happens when I travel, number one, not for entertainment, but for, let's say, work or some tasks or some uh, responsibilities. And number two, when I'm not judging the environment, I'm actually immersing myself in it and letting it influence my mind, thoughts, and way of thinking. So perhaps maybe I could find a better way of doing things. Amazing. And I uh, had the privilege of not going on tours ever, same as you you mentioned. Very good. And, very good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a... It's a different kind of experience. I don't like when I'm going on a travel, as you mentioned, I want to actually get myself into the new culture, the new experiences. Right. So if I'm not, by the way, I'm going to say that uh, traveling through work is actually my favorite kind of travel because not not that you're putting your uh, money making machine on halt, um, not that you're spending a lot of money but rather actually making money through your traveling experience so i mean that's so, the best thing man just imagine you're traveling and you're making money that's just that's <laughs> the best thing ever in the world exactly so so that that's a good gig <laughs> i would say exactly. um, so so yeah that's that's my favorite but then beyond that let's say that might not be feasible for a lot of people so my i'm gonna actually ask you this question first would you say if you're not traveling through work if that's not an option would your favorite kind of travel would be some sort of like a backpacking kind of experience going with yourself or maybe your best buddy or something like that? Well, here's my rule for traveling. You know, I got buddies all over the world. Mm -hmm. I got friends, business partners, uh, let's say clients from all around the world. I have one rule for traveling. Mm -hmm. 
Traveling is, if done for the purpose of education and learning, mm -hmm. should not be done in groups, True. which is why I prefer not to travel with, uh, let's say, friends. If I want to meet my friends there, I say, you go there and I'll meet you there. Why? Mm. First of all, my travel experience begins at the airport long before I'm actually Precisely. on the airport. I love airports. Sorry. Keep going. You know, literally, it's, it's important. I mean, I, it's like a set of meditation, actually. So here's what I do before every travel to any country. First of all, I ask myself, do I speak the language of that country? If I do, then I forbid myself from using English. That is, mm -hmm. from then on, let's say 24 hours before my trip, English dies. I mean, like, if I ever use English, it's just for very, very basic things. Let's say I want to, like, put a, let's say, an Instagram story on, or I just want to make a post on Twitter. So I keep that English to a maximum minimum. And I immerse myself in certain some audio books, audio programs or something in that target language so that my mind is already getting immersed in that language before I even am, you know, uh, on the air on the airplane. I see. So at that time, I let my mind be fully immersed in that language and the culture of that country. And then I also think about all my plans there. What are my plans? Is it a work? Is it a work? Let's see, we're going to do this project, this one. OK, let's do. It. So I focus entirely on that one. And more importantly, I do not allow the former environment to influence in any way. So I try to keep everything that is not about that country or that language to an absolute minimum. And mm -hmm. only then I am in the right state of mind to actually arrive. And as I mentioned earlier, I am I have no problem with networking. So anywhere I go, very quickly I can make some friends there. Mm -hmm. So fortunately, since uh, in certain places that I work regularly, I already have a huge uh, and uh, thriving social circle. So when I get to a place, my job is to associate with my friends in that country. I love all of my friends in every country around the world. But when I'm in each country, the people in that country become the top priority. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, I'm there physically. And it is my job and responsibility to help these guys, to be with them, to improve their mind, to somehow make them feel happier. And in the process, of course, these amazing individuals make me feel great as well. So... Ultimately, that's my favorite style of traveling. It's literally like a it begins like in a meditative state where yep. I'm focused on the country and, and I refuse to use English, uh, basically. I mean, right now we're talking right now on this uh, podcast here. Uh, I should tell all, all of our uh, listeners here that I have not used English uh, in the past uh, few weeks, basically, except for random occasions where I had no choice. For example, if I had to put, a, let's say, an Instagram story on. I have to speak English because most of my followers are, you know, English speakers. Mm -hmm. So all these things. But ultimately, everything uh, with respect to English is kept to a minimum. And mm -hmm. all of my focus is on the target language because this allows me to somehow uh, fit in the environment and to think the way they do. And this is a very nice thing because I've always been a fan of anthropology uh, uh, because it allows me to fully immerse myself in a foreign culture. So that's how I think. Uh, traveling can change you if you are really willing to change, if you want to be influenced by the environment, and if you want to actually immerse yourself in it. However, if you're traveling to say, oh, look at that one, they got a fucking, uh, they got a naked statue, hey, pretty funny. Like, as <laughs> you're going to Italy, for example, and you right. look at these things, that's not educational, dude. You're just having fun. It's like, literally, it's like watching National Geographic. It's like, dude, man, these uh, kangaroos are having sex here. Pretty funny. Ha ha ha. I mean, like, because of this, ultimately, I really believe that traveling is educational when you are there to fit in, to immerse yourself in the environment, uh, and really even in the language. I mean, I really believe that if you are only relying on English when traveling, 
outside of the United States and Canada, of course, outside of the English-speaking countries, then you will have a serious problem. If you're going to London, no problem, be my guest, use English. But if you're going to a country where English is not the main language, then I really believe that using that, uh, you know, second language or whatever can really help in this process. Amazing. Yeah, it's, I think, um, well, if you're going to London, you got to start uh, speaking British, so... <laughs> well, that's fortunately because I've tried this. Fortunately, it's not necessary. And ironically, uh, I here's the fun thing about Americans: like when we go to like places like uh, London or let's say to Australia, Sydney, yeah. uh, when they hear American accent, dude, dude man, th these guys are really impressed because uh, you know it's kind of like when the British or the Australians come right. to America or Canada, right, like right. we find them quite uh, unique and distinct. <laughs> yes. The same thing happens when you know Amer North Americans go to like let's say uh, England or Australia. And right. our accent is pretty uh, bought there, man. Trust me, it's pretty attractive. It very, stands out. Very interesting. Yeah, that's true. It's uh, it's right. the it's the rarity of it that gives it the quality. Uh, it's that's not right. quality per se. But I, exactly. um, joke aside. So back to my personal experience. I, obviously, I was really young to to know any better. I didn't do any of the rituals, but then sort of I did. And what I mean by that, I was. When I was going to the airport, I was super excited. I just wanted to immerse in the experience. Thankfully, I didn't go with the tour again. And um, I was basically always, uh, I mean, I was still in a, a group of my, basically my parents and my couple of my friends. So that was not a choice for me at the time. But then I, I really wanted to go out and try to communicate. Obviously, I didn't speak a word Mandarin, so it was very difficult. And a lot of people wouldn't speak English. So we didn't use common languages. We used sign language mostly oh, to, to try to com communicate. But it was super fun because I got to you know, experience a lot of cool stuff, uh, see people that are drastically different than I used to at the time. So I think that's, uh, I think we talked about it a lot, but then the cultures are different, right? The the history is amazing. I mean, that's that's another part of the travel that I uh, that I really like. I get to know a little bit about the story, not of the sorry, the history, not of the history books, but rather firsthand from people's opinion, local people's opinion, not some exactly. historian who wrote the book. That's that's perfect, by the way. I have nothing against that. But that's a different experience that you read it in a book by a historian who might not be been have uh, have been out of, of the culture, but rather firsthand from the people. Um, so it was definitely an, an amazing experience at the time. Um, how about that? Like we talked about the social aspect of it quite a lot. Uh, you talked about it mostly uh, about the social aspect a lot, which I completely agree with you. But how about the historical aspect of your travels? How do you how do you fit that into your travels? Or do, don't well, you see, the history of a nation is what makes that nation ultimately because uh, everything. I mean, everything goes back to their history. Like how have these people lived in mm -hmm. the past? Uh, and because of this, when you uh, go to a cer certain place, one of the first things I do, actually, before I even uh, start, let's say I want to start a new project in a new country, one of the first things I do is to actually say their history, to know what these guys were doing in the past, like what kind of governments they had in the past. So was it like a, let's say, dictatorship or a, let's say, was it like a, a kingdom? Was it the democracy? So you want to figure out their background in advance, basically, to find out how they are somehow behaving. But right. here's my personal experience, uh, given that I work in different countries, and ultimately it comes down to generation. That is, the history of a nation affects the older generations far more than the younger generations. And I call this the Americanization of the youth. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, from my perspective, given the fact that I work in not only uh, you know a variety of different nations from different backgrounds, not all of them are necessarily Western or whatever, 
And uh, I've realized that the younger generations are, for the most part, very similar all around the world. Like mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're spending most of their time you know, stuck on Twitters or Instagram or Facebook, and they do things that are quite westernized, basically. Mm-hmm. However, if you really want to get a good taste of the history of a nation, I recommend to actually spend time with the older generations because they do have a much, much deeper touch. Now, this is both good and bad. The good side is that you can actually get to know the history, but the bad side is that I think that modernity itself is about making history redundant. That is, a lot of the historical things that have made and shaped a nation, from my perspective, are now disappearing worldwide, and we're seeing similar similar cultures among the youth of all nations. Think right. of, let's say, a young man in Sweden versus one guy in Russia versus one guy in, let's say, I don't know, Italy or one in Middle East or Dubai or whatever. It doesn't matter. The youth are starting to live or even dress very similarly mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to their basically uh, older, older generations. However, ultimately, history does make a huge impact, and it's very important to do that. To do that. Uh, but ultimately, if you really want to get a grasp of the history of the nation, ultimately it comes down to the older generations as well as, of course, their muse- museums and historical sites, which right. can really inspire you in that regard. Yeah, very true. I mean, obviously, globalization has changed a lot. I think so. We are exposed to the same material as as the younger generation. As the younger generation actually come to be, they will be even more uh, exposed to the similar materials worldwide because of the uh, idea of globalization and the fact that. And the world, the existence of internet, first, first and foremost, and the globalization itself. So, so yeah, that that's very true, and that's very natural, uh, given how the things have turned. Um, and uh, and when you said like the sites, like when you're talking about, for example, um, I don't know, uh, and, and, and monuments that you can actually see three dimensionally, touch perhaps, maybe pro- probably not, but you know what I mean, like breathe. Sometimes around. you cannot touch it by the trash man. Telling you, <laughs> yeah, try well, it. don't try it, man. You can have some problems. <laughs> you gotta be kicked out or something. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> yeah, be be a good guy. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no, but uh, you know what I mean, like actually living near it, and uh, when something happened, know that it happened right here when you when you just stand, maybe thousands of years ago, but. Nevertheless, right here, it's it's amazing. I I think it's a <clears throat> ultimately a super exciting experience, a thrilling experience. The historical aspect of it. There is one more aspect to traveling that I find super exciting, and that is um, the nature. Because when we start moving around world, uh, the nature changes uh, really rapidly, uh, and you get to see a lot of different. Uh, ecosystems with different maybe specific species to that ecosystem that uh, is you can only find there you mentioned kangaroos in Australia for example uh, it's like a, like basically a trademark it's like it's Australia a kangaroo in Australia are the same thing so so these things um, uh, these things are also very interesting to me you get to see deserts on the other on the other hand you get to see glaciers you get to see uh, I don't know, jungles or, or different types of like oceans, depending on what you're into, it can really affect you. And we are if eventually all animals and animals do need nature, do like it. And I personally, when I go and see, uh, when I put myself, because I live in a big city, I have I've been born and raised in a big city. So I've always been in a big city. So whenever I get out of the big city and go actually to the, to the uh, natural nature, it's super exciting for me because um, it's a different experience and I get to 
breathe fresh air, I guess. Wow. <laughs> so that part of it is also very, very interesting to me. Even That's like yeah. short travels, not going across the border, perhaps just take a couple of hours drive to the north of, I don't know, to a cottage or something, uh, depending on where you are or whatnot. So how about that? Can you give me um, some some insights or experiences experiences of your own? Well, obviously, nature is a different story because nature, uh, from my perspective, that's uh, not about uh, somehow linking to the people, but it's more about connecting to that environment around you. Precisely. And ultimately, this goes down to your temperament. That is, uh, it all depends on your temperament. I'm a huge fan of somehow finding a connection with the nature while I'm exercising. Mm -hmm. I do mar marathons every week in the nature. And I run uh, for hours and hours in the nature and I love to see the trees and the environment because it gives me a great and a fresh sense that I truly enjoy and find inspiring. So that is because of this. So uh, you don't need to necessarily travel to any one country to enjoy the nature because nature is pretty much almost Very identical sure. in most places. Uh, and it also comes down to your temperament. Uh, the more introverted a person is, the more he, he or she enjoys connecting to the environment, mm -hmm. the nature. And the more extroverted they are, the more they care about the people around them, and they want to mm -hmm. keep the people. Now, as you might guess, I'm more on the extroverted side than the introverted side, which means right. for me, it's always that connection to the people that is a lot more important than it is uh, with uh, the nature, which is why during most of my travels, I spend most of my time interacting with people, and I don't do very much sightseeing, because mm -hmm. it all comes down to your temperaments, because that level of connection that I get with people, I can never get with the environment. Mm -hmm. And the same thing applies to introverts in a different way because they cannot ever get that level of connection from the people that you get from the nature and whatnot. So this ultimately comes down to your temperament. Both are wonderful and are great parts. And uh, the modern tourism uh, the mo modern tourism industry is actually focused more on the latter. That is, it serves an introverted audience a lot more than it serves an extroverted audience because uh, it's more about sightseeing, right. it's more about uh, excursions and going through the nature and whatnot. Uh, and that is precisely why it's probably not for me, because I am a huge fan of connecting with people, not necessarily the environment. And I, quite frankly, don't even notice the difference very much. Like if I'm walking in New York, let's say, or Moscow or Dubai, for me, the, the, the environment really does not make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. What does make a huge difference is what language am I hearing to my, in my ears and what are the people around me? What are they doing? So it all depends on your focal point, whether or not you're an introvert or an extrovert. And more importantly, what are your purposes? But ultimately, I, I love both of them. And for me personally, nature is something that I do usually when I'm at home. Let's say like you're, let's say you're somewhere uh, and you want to go for a, enjoy the nature. You can go uh, to a park near your house and enjoy the, uh, the nature. But quite frankly, for me, I'm not going to travel to China to go to the jungle somewhere because right. ultimately that's just, I can, I can just go to jungle anywhere else, right? right so right. for me, what differentiates nations is not the nature, mm -hmm. rather it, it is the people, the culture, and the language. So that's my focal point in traveling. And it also comes down to my extroverted nature as well. So these are all linked together. However, for the more introverted people when they're traveling, of course, nature plays a huge role. Yeah. And ultimately, that's one of the things. Like uh, Whenever I travel to any country, usually I only stay in the capital city. I rarely travel outside of the capital city of that country because for me, people are people everywhere, right? So just mm -hmm. I might as well be in the capital city because there's more business opportunities and whatnot, right? right. So ultimately, that's uh, about your focal point, what you really want, and what are your focuses in that regard. Oh, very good. That that makes a lot of sense, actually. And um, I think you're right. It depends on your personality, which one you embrace. Um, 
but well on a slightly different topic i'll tell you why it's connected um to people recently there were uh, there was a lake found under uh, on the surface of the mars which they under it we found water and potentially my microbial life so maybe we can go there that would be definitely different environments in terms wow. of <laughs> sometimes so that was also got, got to learn martian language i guess i know i, I, I gotta speak with the aliens i don't know how to talk i don't know how to talk <laughs> All right. it's gonna be difficult be amazing <laughs> but actually i heard that there's a lot of uh, you know progress being made in space travel these days especially by leon uh what was that uh, leon. Oh, e- elon elon, elon musk. musk yeah, yeah. that's right yeah. elon musk and uh SpaceX and all these things. Yep. I think they're working on a lot of great projects. I mean, what's the story by the way now? Like, what's the current status on uh, space traveling? Um, well, we are making a lot of good progress. Of course, um, the, the first milestone, uh, major milestone, was made a few years ago by SpaceX, uh, Elon Musk's SpaceX, uh, where they were able to land the booster of the shuttle. Where uh, because, well, obviously, it's a uh, it's almost a billion dollar uh, device that you're just throwing out so you're saving a lot of money on that so they were they are able to so that's the, that's a good way because if you're if you want to keep doing space travels then you have to be able to uh, make the cost much more efficient think about it if you're traveling uh, with an airplane every time you travel you th- throw out the airplane then it's going to be wow. extremely expensive. <laughs> so the first step so now, is... Now this, this is no longer the case, right? So they can actually yeah. keep that stuff. They can, uh, they can keep the booster. The, the, um, the nose goes into space, of course, but then the booster, which is actually the most expensive part, stays. It like, comes back down and lands on Earth so we can actually reuse it at least multiple times. So, so yeah, that, that's, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a major progress. That, that and how do they land on the moon exactly, or like Mars or whatever? Like, oh, they parachute they the booster. Down, yeah, they parachuted oh, parachute. down. There. Yeah, so they they use cool. the yeah they use the gravity of the the planet or the moon, um, and they parachuted down. At least at this point, uh, it, it will be perhaps different in the near future. But then yeah, so so that's the that's one of the major uh, events that has happened. NASA is working on its own uh, deep space shuttle, which is called um, I forgot what it's called actually. Uh, Anyhow, so they they're working on that, uh, which is not necessarily for man, tra- uh, like maybe astronauts, but not for uh, like regular people traveling. What what the SpaceX is currently working on is a very gigantic uh, spacecraft that actually can take many people to take them to Mars, basically for commercial or uh, literally travel uh, purposes, not as you being an astronaut. That's a different story, of course. Very so that, good, very good. that's ultimately the goal to take people to Mars, um, and make Mars, uh, create a Mars colony eventually. That's that would be freaking amazing, man. A Mars colony. It's going to be, we're going to have the first Martian pizza at some point. I don't know. Awesome. <laughs> going to be amazing, buddy. Going to record one episode in Mars. Holy shit. Oh, that, <laughs> that would be, be awesome. That would be dope. I wow. send it to Earth. Think about it. Uh, yeah, so that was a, a funny, uh, like a cute detour. Getting back to our like uh, Earth travels, back to Earth travels. It wasn't completely a detour because it's still in the, within the travel, but not the conventional yeah, it, sense that we know. It's like travel, man. But we just made it like super geeky and sci-fi. Like, exactly. Now let's talk about Earth travel. <laughs> let's, let's continue. That was awesome. Let's talk about Earth travel. Wow. Uh, yeah. So. So yeah, Earth is uh, obviously there's a lot of places that we can still explore, and again, as you mentioned, it all comes back to your pr- uh, personality. Whether you want to go uh, for the nature, you want to go for the culture, I would recommend whether you're extrovert or introvert, do a little bit of both. 
focus on what you like, but then experience this. There's, there's no harm, right? So, uh, so that's that's very true. And you mentioned um, early on about your own ritual of getting into travel, uh, in the uh, you know um, beginning when you're going to the airport before you go you go on your travel you stop speaking English. Do you have any other rituals within the parameters of travels? Well. Obviously, the first and foremost is uh, that mental preparation that you have to go through before you travel. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> of course, there are cases where I might not know the language of the country I'm traveling to. So in that case, I have to actually resort to other things, perhaps by searching Wikipedia to find out more about that country, the culture, the people and whatnot. But ultimately, for me, as I mentioned earlier, uh, traveling is no longer something that I it's not an, uh, you know, an event or an occasion. It's a re regular occurrence in my life. Mm -hmm. So. This is what I've always wanted to do. I mean, like I can uh, uh, see that I, I get to travel at least once every two or three months. Uh, right. And this allows me to somehow expand my perspective. And after a while, once you do this, you know, recurrently, and then you start to have friends and partners and business associates and everything in different parts of the world, this will give you a very great sense of belonging. I mean, like mm -hmm. literally, just imagine like you go to another country, a different language, and there you have a whole set of uh, contacts that you can actually be in touch with, and they know you, and they respond very well, and they greet you in a different language. This is one of the best feelings in the world that I've always wanted, which is why I chose international business mm -hmm. as one of my major focal points in my career, was because I really wanted that sense of belonging. I Other see. than, of course, it's very beneficial in terms terms of your finances. I mean, let's be honest, uh, global business is always changing and having different, uh, you know, source of uh, income or investments in different countries will give you that sense of uh, somehow peace of mind because, you know, if, if some economy goes down, another one goes up and this allows you to feel a lot more in control of the situation. In terms of the rituals, of course, I'm generally not some somebody who can sleep well in airplanes. Mm -hmm. And that's one of my biggest problems, which is why I never travel uh, any flight that is longer than five hours. I see. It's one of my because you have to all be at the airport at least uh, I don't know uh, th uh, three to one hour, one to three hours earlier, so mm -hmm. that uh, up to up to eight hours, and that's like one third of the day. So here's my rule: if if there's a flight that is more than uh, let's say five hours, I do not uh, go on that path. I instead prefer let's say for example I want to go from uh, Dubai to New York City. Now, okay. this flight, this is going to take at least 17 hours, right? It's going to be long. Uh, so here's what I'm going to do. Or let's say I want to go to Canada. Let's say I want to meet, I want to meet you right now, right, okay? Right. This, this is going to be a long flight, dude. It's going to be 18 hours or something, right? Mm -hmm. So in this way, instead of just going directly to Toronto, I prefer to actually get a ticket somewhere near Europe. Let's say, I don't know, somewhere mid-Europe. Let's say Italy or something, mm -hmm. which takes um, from here, let's say from Moscow, I want to go now to Spain, for example. So it's about three or four hours okay. of flight. So here's what I do. If I'm, if I'm supposed to meet you next week on a Monday, mm -hmm. and I have one week, so today I will fly to Spain, and I will stay there for four days. I Pretty see. simple. Right. I stay for four days, and then... I will actually fly to your uh, to my decision to, to meet you, let's say, in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And that one is going to take a lot less time. It'll be a lot more fun as well. So that's one of my other rituals in that uh, I do not want to suffer for 18 hours to get to my destination because that's right. not the point. And more importantly, it's not even necessary because it's a lot more fun to first go to one country 
sit for four or five days and then go to the next destination than to just be in the freaking airport and the right. airplane for 18 hours, right? Right, right. This is my second ritual, which I use all the time. I chunk it up in different parts and I stay in different countries for at least a few days to not only maybe perhaps get a language practice or just enjoy the environment and then go to my next destination. That's another thing that I do, which is usually uh, not as cost effective. Let's, let's just say that, but it's something that I really care about, and I think it's wonderful. Right. That's actually interesting. Before you continue to the next one, <clears throat> I actually had this discussion with someone, and they were like, "No, the straight f flight is easier for me because I know I'm done." That was interesting because I think like you do, and I was like, "This is there's no way people think differently than this because this is obviously easier in terms of like the ease of it." <laughs> Because you know, I cannot sleep in the airplane, dude. I, I mean, I just but can't. I, I can, and I still think it's not. It's more fun, or it's sort of easier if because I even if I'm sleeping, I'm always in a like in a chair for a very long time, unless I'm playing uh, flying first class, which I'm not. So <laughs> it's it's not really fun. But even in first class, man, I cannot sleep in first class either. I mean, uh, my problem is that if there's motion going on, I can't oh, sleep. Oh, I see. Yeah. So whether it's first class, if I even, I, I can't even freaking sleep in the cockpit. Like literally, if I put my <laughs> freaking head on on the thigh of the fucking pilot, I still can't <laughs> fucking sleep, man. I'm telling you. Like, there's no way I could do that. So <laughs> because of this, right. because of this, since for me, sitting is very important, I right. have no choice but to land Immediately right. go uh, either let's use Airbnb or go if I have a property there I can just go there directly mm -hmm. sleep and then enjoy for a couple of days there let the let the body adjust slowly right right because time zones man come on time zones so instead of jumping eight time zones now I jump three time zones let mm -hmm. the uh, let the body adjust to it and then jump under the three time zones right right and this makes the whole thing a lot more enjoyable for sure than just you know going directly for eighteen hours. No, I'm know, not a fan of eight that. Eight hours either. of difference in time, that's too much, man. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that either. And uh, I was so surprised when I heard that. Uh, I don't know if, if you were going to say something else or that, that was it. That was pretty much it, buddy, because right. these are the major rituals that I have for myself. And right. they really help me. Of course, the point is audiobooks. I never travel without audiobooks. True. Because I don't want time to be wasted. Mm -hmm. And. This allows, and I cannot read again for the same reason I cannot sleep in airplanes or in cars see. or trains or whatever. I also cannot read because of motion sickness. Mm -hmm. So my only option, therefore, is audiobooks or simply having a conversation with somebody next to me. Right. I do that sometimes right. as well. Like if I happen to, you know, be on a, a let's say, in the pre presence of a pleasant person, so why not? I'm going to go talk to that person as well to fill up the time. But ultimately, it's either conversation or audiobooks because otherwise it'll be very, very hard. I see some people they bring their laptop and it's sort of like working uh, in the airplane. And I'm so jealous of them because I'm like, good for you, man. Like, I, if I do that, I'm, I'm going to literally uh, get nauseated in a couple of minutes. Good for Interesting. you. Interesting. Yeah, I don't, I thankfully don't have that problem, at least not to that extent that you do. But um, unfortunately, I don't travel as much as you do either. So I don't have to worry about it either way. Um, and, and because of that very reason, I don't have a particular ritual because I haven't, like at least an airplane uh, travel ritual um, because I haven't traveled as much as you do on a regular basis. So, so I don't know. That's I don't have a ritual right. basically. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> the other point, of course, as you mentioned, the whole ritual for, uh, for constant uh, people who constantly travel with airplanes is choosing the right airlines and the right time right. zones and the right time of flight because some uh, airlines really are not compatible with your schedule. I see. And some airlines have much better prices, but their hours. I mean, I'm very picky about the hours of the flights. Why is that? Which hours? Because these are all very important. Like, if I have to calculate 
what time is the best for me to go mm-hmm. to, the, to, get to the airport here and then there. So I got to do a lot of calculations for the time of arrival. And I will always pick the airline with the best hours, even if the cost is higher, because that will make the entire experience more worthwhile. Yes, maybe save a couple of bucks by finding this one particular airline that lands at the worst possible time that makes you, uh, you have to stay in a transit uh, wait for like eight hours at the airport. But dude, come on, is it really worth it? I don't think so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's fair. That that makes a lot of sense. All right. So that's that's air travel, of course. I mean, doesn't have you don't have to. Sometimes you do have to air travel. Otherwise, your other option would be to swim or something. So um, but ultimately, it's about the travel and um, the the you know, the road that you're taking to get there or the air road that you're uh, get, uh, taking to get there is also part of your travel. As you mentioned, it, like whenever I go to whenever I want to go, whether on a road trip or or, a, or or on an airplane, my my travel starts right at the moment that I step out of my door, whether it's getting into the yeah. car to go on the road or getting into the taxi to yeah. get into the airport or whatever. So, yeah, I, I mean, that's that should be part of your travel and you should be enjoying that and experiencing uh, uh, getting the experience out of that, too, because. Why not? I mean, that's otherwise it would be a waste of time, as you mentioned. Um, exactly. We're coming to the end of our episode here, so I want to go for the final comment straight. And if you have any final advice or comment for our audiences. For sure, definitely. Number one, if you are listening to this podcast, understand that what is your purpose for traveling? Do you want to have fun or do you want to change and grow? If it's the former, then by all means, go find the cheapest tour you can and go to wherever place is easier and available for you right now. On the other hand, if your purpose is growth and change, the number one, choose your destinations carefully. Then just look at the goddamn map and say, all right, they got a flight now to this country, which I don't even know the name of, actually. So uh, choose where you want to go. And if you really want to change, start learning the language of that country in advance. This gives you a huge, huge advantage during your travels. And more importantly, Avoid traveling with tours if your goal is change. Instead, try to be more independent. I'm not saying you should be a backpacker. I'm not saying you should actually work in international business so that you actually do this as part of your work. Just try to be more independent mm-hmm. and try to travel more independently in order to immerse yourself in a foreign culture, in that language. And more importantly, don't be shy. Make friends wherever you are, in whichever country you are. You're not supposed to. Um, have friends only from the country of your birth. You're not supposed to make friends with people who only speak your language. You are supposed to expand. We're living in a globalized world, and it's going to get even more and more pronounced as we go through, uh, let's say, coming decades. So you want to you know, somehow uh, embed that globalized mindset and live with the belief that you can communicate and connect with people around the world, and this gives you a far, far better perspective about life and here's a good point. One of the best ways to appreciate your own language and your own culture and your own uh, traditions is to understand that of others. Only through this contrasting process, you truly understand who you are, what you want and where you're going. And this more importantly allows you to become very selective, which means you will no longer appreciate and accept everything your culture tells you to do. Mm-hmm. You can become a lot more open-minded and create what I call a super culture. A super culture is a personal culture made by combining the best aspects of your most vivid cultures. And that will give you a far, far better perspective about life, makes you a lot happier, a lot more independent, 
and this, from my perspective, is a foundation for success. I, there, I've rarely met people who are extremely bright or successful who have not had a lot of international experiences, because that is really, really paramount to acquiring a solid perspective and grasp of reality by traveling and understanding your culture as well as that of others. Amazing. That's very true. Um, the, the comparison makes a lot of sense because um, it helps you to think differently outside of the box. Uh, it makes you to explore different opportunities, uh, ideas. Um, and um, I'm, I'm really happy that I got to do as much as I did, I, although it wasn't a lot. But then um, anything will do. It doesn't have to be significant. It can, if it can be, let, let it be, sure. That, but then don't don't think of it as a, in a sense that I don't have the resources. Anything will do. Just just do it. Do it and do it right. And with that, we have come to end of this episode. And ultimately, I want to uh, tell you to thank you, Dan, again for uh, being pleasure. with us. Always a pleasure being with you, my man. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I'm Puya LJ, a.k.a. Pujix. Have a great one until our next episode.